it's time for a chocolate and coffee break. So grab your cuppa and let's listen together to stories from people of all walks of life that will touch your heart and reveal that opposites are the same. I'm your host, Andrea Putting, and this is Chocolate and Coffee Breaks, where we bring people together in the spirit of love and acceptance. My guest today on Chocolate and Coffee Breaks is Bernadette Laster, and she's from Mich- Michigan in the US, and she's a speaker, a teacher, and an intuitive healer. And she's here today to share with me her story that will help us to walk in her shoes as we listen to the experiences that she has had that we may not have been open to before. So welcome, Bernadette. It's lovely to have you with us. Thank you. I'm very grateful to be here. It's an honour. Thank you. And do you have your chocolate and coffee? Because we're having a chocolate and coffee break. There it is. Okay. And here we go. I got route, route much more here, and good. I've got a cockatoo. <laughs> I was going to take a, uh, what was it? Um, I think it was a pigeon or something, but I decided <laughs> the stone heads. So. <laughs> and what kind of chocolate do you have today? Um, actually, the, it is truffles with premium milk chocolate with caramel. Here we go. Ooh. That sounds really nice. I think I'd like some of that. I have this chocolate. This is from a local chocolate uh, company in where I live, from the Ministry of Chocolate. And this one, I like this one because it's called Hosey Elaine and it's decorated like one of our laneways in Melbourne <laughs> where people graffiti and it's very famous. So it was just very pretty and I thought, I like that. I'll have that one today. Yum. I can't wait to eat it. Mm. So let's start with, I have a question for you that I'd love to start with. Mm-hmm. Just to, because, you know, when you're having a conversation, you like to have something nice and easy. And this is, I made some cards up with questions, conversation starters. Mm-hmm. So a question I have is, in what situation or place do you feel most at home thank you for that question because that's a very easy one um today i was out in nature and that's where i feel most at home um i love to explore i love to walk around to hike and that's where i find a lot of my connection with the divinity of um of the divine mm-hmm. mm. so you definitely oh. what are anything that is uh, of nature. It doesn't matter really what it is. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I just love to be out in nature and I love to look out my window. I have a big elm tree sitting outside my window this way and out the back I have bushland. So I just love to to be out in that and exploring. It makes me feel connected. It's wonderful. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of us feel that. So, Bernadette, I'd love you to share with, with me. I know you, you've told me a little bit, told me a little bit about what you wanted to share with me today. So, can you share with me your story of, of what your experiences are of not belonging? 
Hmm. Well, I have to say that I've always felt that I have belonged, okay? I I have belonged, okay? People around me may have different perceptions than I do. Mm-hmm. However, I never really felt that I didn't belong, but I felt clear um, injustice being uh, targeted at me because of the color of my skin. I was born August 21st of 1964. I always say that I waited a month to come out of my mother's uh, womb because the Civil Rights Act was passed um, on July 2nd of 1964 in the United States, okay? Mm -hmm. However, um, even though I was born after that civil, a month after that civil rights bill was uh, uh, um, put into practice, what ended up happening was when I went to school, okay, so now I have, you know, I have up, all right? So I grow up. And I go to school and they also had the, obviously, the Voting Rights Act. And 1954, it was something called Brown versus the Board of Education. And in Brown versus the Board of Education in 1954, it was said that there could be no more segregation. All right. So Ruby Bridges, a little black girl, was the first African-American child um, to, to go into a all-white school, all right? That's 1954, all right, when that law was passed. So segregation should have been over by the time I was born, okay? <laughs> Literally, all right? So that was 10 years later, all right? So 10 years later, I'm born in 1964. I don't go to school. I don't have to go to school until, you know, you're in a kindergarten or first grade. So I go to my first grade, And I grew up Catholic, okay? So um, when I went to that all-white school, I didn't know that I was the first person integrating that school. I had no idea. You were just a child. And so, excuse me? You were just a child. Child going to school, yeah. I had no idea that I was doing anything other than going to school. Um, So when I got there... Um, it, it, everybody was white, okay, in that school. And I was called a lot of different things uh, out of my bigger coon, ace, a spades, all different sorts of things, all right? And that just didn't come from the kids. Some of it came from the parents as well as the teachers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. However, my mother, which I didn't understand at the time, my mother clearly, I mean, knew what I was going to endure as being the only black child in that school. So she, from grade one through seven, she finally gave it up when I got to eighth grade, was the homeroom mother where she would come in and she would do arts and crafts with the kids or whatever. And my mother was doing that. I used to ask her, mom, why are you always here? I didn't get it. You know, I didn't get that she was actually there being a mother bear, protecting me from what the worst, okay? Not that I didn't expect to have something happen, okay? But the bottom line was that she was there to buffer a whole lot of what I did not have to experience. So that was very um, challenging um, to go through that. And the more challenging thing was, was not to come out on the other end of that hating anybody, okay? Which I, 
Um, so then I had a different challenge, actually, because then I had to leave that school and go to a, a, a Catholic high school that was uh, one parish, just one parish out of that whole high school had black or African-American people there. Okay. It was one parish called St. Raymond's. And so I came from an all white parish, except for me, of course. Okay. And when I went into um, the high school where there was a black parish, it's all the color of my skin. They decided that I should be with them and not sit with the white people. Okay. That I had known for eight years, my friends. Yeah. And I looked at them and I'm like, you must be out of your mind. I don't know you. Okay, Um, I'm not giving up my friends because of the fact that of my skin color. So what ended up happening was they did not like that. And uh, they ostracized me for two years of my high school because of that, because I wouldn't give up my white friends. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. I know these people. Not everybody in my grade school uh, was racist and prejudiced. It was not like that probably 2%, but that 2% was quite enough to do a lot of damage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it must have been an odd experience to go from the all-white school to to the high school. No, it wasn't. It was not. Let me tell you why. Because the reason why it wasn't for me like that is because, first of all, my family is predominantly African-American, but there's a lot of other other races within my family, all right? And for me, embrace those races. I embraced, I wanted to know what they were cooking. I wanted to know, you know, what was it like in the Philippines? What, what was it like in Italy when you were there, you know? Yeah. So I had that in my life. That's That was my life. Also, where I grew up was totally diversified, okay? So, you know, there were white and black couples <clears throat> living on the block. There was white people living on the block. There was Jewish people living on the block. There was black people living on the block. And it didn't make any difference. So for me, um, I'm glad that I had the experience. I do not regret any of it, okay? Because the bottom line is that I came out, number one, of that high not high school, but excuse me, grade school, not thinking that all white people are bad because that's not true, okay, and racists, all right? That is absolutely not true. Yeah. And the other part of that was... I felt good about the fact that I didn't even think about it because I just simply knew that it was wrong for those people who were of my screen color to ask me to give up friends that I have had for eight years. And I don't know you, you know, I have no clue who you are. And I told them once I get to know you, maybe, maybe, I don't know, you know, but no, for me, it was not the, the hardest part for me was the fact that they wanted to um, basically control me and put me in a a box. Okay, yeah. wanted that the a box. I never fit in a box. It's never going to happen. So, um, but I also had a lot of good uh, foundation. My foundation was strong. Like I said, I was there for eight almost eight years, and uh, my father he had a very he felt um, he had a very good self-esteem and his very solid foundation, you know, so he, they passed that stuff on to me and I'm grateful for it. 
Yeah, and I think that's a really important aspect is is that foundation of of what your family experience is in your life because, okay, look at me, I'm a, a white Christian woman, you know, I've never experienced any racism. However, I grew up in an area whereas at the time the people who were coming into it into my particular area were immigrants they were at the time the southern europeans were considered the the outcast in i'm afraid i'm ashamed to say we had a white australia policy so they were only allowing people from certain areas to come in but they were my playmates and so you know i had that diversity in my life and that was something that my parents taught me that all people were equal so Absolutely. And see, that is what I knew. So therefore, for the the black kids in that school to be saying, you need to come over here because you're black. Wait a minute. That means that somebody's unequal here. Okay. And it's so I cannot do that. All right. Yeah. 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 Do you feel that the racism comes from both sides? Oh, absolutely. There's no question in my mind, okay, that it comes from both sides because I've seen both sides of it. And the reality is that it does come from some people that are white, okay, or Caucasian, whatever you want to call it, and some people who are black, all right? And I feel very, very strongly anyone who says to me that they don't have a racist tick in their body, okay, look deeper, all right? Because the reality of it for me is that, yes, I've had to look at some of my own uh, myth stereotypes about people and dismantle them because um, I know innately that um, that is not true. And anytime anybody categorizes anyone into a certain or labels them, and this is, this is all these people, absolutely not. You know? So I believe wholeheartedly that we are all connected and it doesn't matter um, to me, it does not really matter what color you are. I honor what you are, okay? But however, underneath of all of that, okay, to me, there is a soul. And that's what I look at, all right? That's what I want to see in you. The color, so, you know, I understand all that. But, you know, clearly I'm black. Um, I have to be very careful about move and how I move, I can't just, in other words, I've traveled across country and I remember that was probably in 14 when I traveled across country and I, and my friend said to me, Bernadette, be very careful because I know how you are. And I said, what do you mean? He says, Bernadette, you don't, you don't run thinking about bad people. (laughs) I said, oh yeah, you're right. And she's like, well, (laughs) I don't want you to stop in this particular area. Okay, because this is not a good area or space for you to be in. Okay, so as a black woman, I have had to do that all of my life. Okay, making sure that um, wherever I'm going, all right, is uh, is safe. And fortunately, you know, other people uh, bring that to my attention. And as a child, as a black child in America. You are given the talk and everyone knows what that's about. Okay. If you're, if you do not know what the talk is about is that you are black. There are places that people that you should not be entering because of your color, because there are KKK, there are uh, white supremacists or there are 
Nazis or whatever. Okay. Um, in my own state that I live, I grew up in Pennsylvania. All right. So there were places in Pennsylvania, yeah, that I could not feel safe going. How does, uh, yeah, that's, it's really hard for, for me to comprehend that experience. Mm -hmm. But how, how do you, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with, it's, in other words, how do you deal with being white? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, yeah, well, it's, it's what you know, isn't it? That's what that's correct. Okay. So, but my, because again, I'm here in the United States, okay, of America, all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happens is that racism is systemic here, okay? It is systemic, period. It is built on a racist system, period. I don't remember any black person writing our constitution. And in fact, there were none. Okay. And in fact, we were not considered even, we were, we were not considered whole. Okay. We were considered property. That was it. So there's a lot of um, things that being a different color, you will not experience unless you are of that color. So for instance, let me give you an example concrete example. I go out with my white friend to dinner. This has happened I don't know how many times, and it doesn't matter how I'm dressed. I could be dressed to the nines, okay? I yeah. could even have a terror on, okay? <laughs> and nine times out of ten, okay, what's going to happen is that check is going to go to the white person, period. That is institutionalized racism, and it doesn't have to be a person that is white doing it. I've seen black people do it as well. I've seen Asian people do it as well. So I think we all need to take a deep look within ourselves and really um, look at, you know, some of the the prejudice or stereotypes or whatever that we may have. Yeah. What is there something that you think that, that we can do to, to heal this, this that isn't shouldn't be well excuse me at this point we are in the process of that transformation right now yeah in united states here and globally we we obviously had um the big thing that really uh, there was a lot of things that happened but george floyd um a lot of people have heard about that all over the world where they had four officers, one of them, they all have him pinned down, face down, and had his knee, had the one officer's knee on George Floyd's neck, okay? Now, if you understand, most of us were shut down for two months or two to three months because of the pandemic here. Mm-hmm. And so now there's a lot of white people and black people and Asian people and whatever they are sitting in their chairs watching the TV, okay? And then finally they get to see three African-Americans basically murdered in a row in th- three months, yeah. okay, because we had uh, Brianna Taylor, she was shot in her bed, okay, doing nothing, just sleeping, all right, wrong, all right, there was a man called Ahmad Arbery, who was just simply jogging, he does something that I love to do, which is go into houses that are being built and just kind of look around them, you know, that's all so he do did. I. I love doing that too. Yeah, it's cool. 
he was doing that. And bottom line, these white vigilantes, that's my term for them, okay, is that he came and they decided that he was up to no good. And just because he was black and the bottom line is they shot and they killed him. Right. And then finally we had George Floyd and then everybody saw the fact that that man is hollering, saying, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can't breathe for eight minutes and 46 seconds of that. Okay. With other people, but see, that's, that is the hubris. That is the anger, um, the arrogance of, some of these people in power, okay? And I'm not going to say all because that would be a generalized statement myself, okay? There are some very good people um, out there. I said good people come in all shapes, sizes, and colors, period, all right? And so do bad people as well. People who are evil and mean come in all shapes, sizes as well. I think for me, it's a matter of us all coming together, all right? Understanding that truly... Yes, I'm black, but so what? Okay, you're white, so what? You know, what I'm concerned about is inside of you, okay? Are you a good person? Are you compassionate? Are you loving? Are you all those things? And when I come from the inside out, your color is not (laughs) what um, is important to me. What's important to me is what's inside your heart. Yes, yes. And that's set off... um those events set off protest here and people were out in the streets even though they weren't supposed to be. <laughs> and now they're trying to right. blame that on, on, on uh, increasing their pandemic. But anyway, but it set off people around the world and everyone's going, well, hang on, this isn't right. The, it uh, isn't. And it isn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So It isn't because when I was giving you the history, I gave you the history of versus the Board of Education, which is 54, okay? Segregation, yeah. four, supposed to be over, all right? 64, seven, 64, I'm born. 70, I'm in school, and I'm desegregating that. But the problem is, is that in 1954, you can write a bill all you want, okay, and say, okay, black people are equal, we get equal, this and this, that, and the other thing. You can say all that. But the problem is the collective consciousness, the consciousness of the of the United States hadn't changed, nor has it. Okay, because if it did, that's um, you know I'm 55 years old, right? It, had it changed, we wouldn't be having George Floyd neck. We wouldn't be having Brianna. We wouldn't have all that. Okay, but the reality of it is that we do because we have not addressed the ugly. We have not addressed what this nation was built upon. And it's unfortunate and the, and slavery and all of that. And a lot of people say, well, you know, be happy, Bernadette. You're not a slave. You're not killed. Okay. Well, yes, I am happy about that. All right. But that doesn't <laughs> stay happy just with that. I'm going to move on. Okay. And help other people to get to wherever they desire. I don't know. Whatever it is, I'm going to help you to do that. I want to be of service to you in some way. And to me, because the skin, like I said, I honor your outward appearance, but again, it's not the motivational factor for me. It's what's inside. Yeah. And that's, that's something we just all need to work at. I think is, is clearing those, that energy around that, 
<laughs> I actually don't know what to say here. The okay, they can pass laws all they like, but until we change that consciousness, it doesn't. The laws mean nothing. That was my personal experience. That it meant nothing because the bottom line, that's ten years. At seventeen years prior to me getting into school, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, and it took that long before a little black girl came along and went into the class. Correct. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm glad I did. <laughs> well, it I gave you a rich experience, didn't it? It what it did for me was the sense of um, a very strong foundation of who I am. I had to. Otherwise, it would crush me, all right? Um, and I attribute that to my parents. Uh, my parents gave me a huge loving foundation um, that basically said, Bernadette, you can do anything you want to do, number one, all right? And do not allow anybody to demean you, period, ever. And you better take care of it some kind of way, okay? I need to. I had to come home and tell them that that did not happen, meaning that I did not allow someone just to do that, uh, to say nasty things to me and just, you know, took it like that. Taught you to stand up for who you are. I had to. There was no question about it. But standing up for who I am has morphed over the period of time because I had plenty of fights in grade school with boys and girls and, you know, all of that. Because they called me a nigger. You were getting your behind beat, period. I didn't care how big you are or anything, all right? That's what was happening. Yep. However, schoolyard bullying, bullying to the worst degree, I would say. It was. Yeah. And But I needed to, I needed to survive, okay? I needed to um, take care of myself. And, you know, with limited coping skills at that time, that's the way I dealt with it. I then had that also evolved. You know, I'm not out there. It's not like I've ever been called nigger since I've been 50. (laughs) But I haven't beaten anybody over it. You know, know, but things morph over a period of time. My perception has grown. Um, My compassion has grown for other people as well. And also I understand that I am truly not what the definition of that word is. So that word has no power over me. My power is not drawn from the outside. It's drawn from the inside out. So therefore, um, you can say whatever you want to say to me today. And, um, you know, perhaps I may help you to increase your perception. Perhaps I may not. Because some other people, and why say that I may not, is because, look, I'm not going to go up to a Ku Klux man with a hood on, okay, and try to take away his torch. I'm not doing it, okay? So there are some people that you just have to say you got to let them go. Mm. Yes. There's a bridge that I can build for others, especially through what we're talking about right now. I would love to do that. It's, um, it's a passion for me to be able to share my experiences. Not be, I don't want pity, okay? Huh. What, you know, what I'd like to see is that, um, you know, you can get through things, okay? And there's ways to do it that are beneficial. And the, me fighting at that time, yes, it was beneficial. But as an adult, it is no longer that way. So 
obviously, you know, the way that you get into good trouble, as John Lewis would say, all right, who was a congressman man here who just recently passed away. Um, the way you do that is to stand in the way, stand in the way of what they're trying to do. However that looks, whether or not you got to go out and protest in the street. Okay. Some people did that or whether or not, you know, uh, you are, you know, sending out a donation, whatever it is. Okay. Or whatever it is, you're coordinating something. It doesn't matter. The worst thing we can do is be complicit and sit on the sidelines because that is just that that's worse. I think than just, um, going out there and actually doing the heinous crime, okay, when a person actually who believes otherwise is shut up and they're not, you're complicit, so. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, we've got to learn, we've, we all need to take responsibility for where things are and where things are to come. So I want to, before we close, just ask, you know, you've had all this experience in your life so where are you now what is it that you're doing now because that's got to be a reflection of the experience you've been through and I'm sure that you are now in a I can feel that you're in a this positive place where you are doing things in the world to make a difference so I'd love to hear hear that well what I like to do is share an experience that I had about probably three weeks ago or a month ago. As I shared with you, I'm not originally from Michigan and I only came here in September. So I'm really at this point because of pandemic and cold weather and all of that, I'm trying to get out a little bit more. And I went to a lovely area called Petoskey, Michigan. And I, that was about three weeks ago, three or four weeks ago. And I went by myself, which was great. I love traveling by myself, but I also like traveling with other people. But what happened was I was going around this. My friend had told me, she's like, Bernadette, the, the town, she's a white woman. She's, her name is Dawn. She says, Bernadette, that town is white. I said, oh, I guess I'll feel really comfortable and giggle because of my school years. Okay. Meaning that, you know, when I came out of that school, that all white school, uh, St. James um, Church, it was, I, I came out with a lot of good friends, okay? So I don't have any prejudice or anything like that against everybody because of that. Um, but anyway, she told me that it was a white town. I said, okay. So then um, I'm walking around the town and I see in a bookstore, Black Lives Matter signs. I see um, also like black historical books, like you're, you're talking about, talking about Frederick Douglass and, you know, different other people that, have, you know, W.D. Du Bois, all those people, you know, the books were front and center. And I'm also a lesbian. So the bottom line is that I'm looking at the gay flags. All right. None of that did anything for me. I was like, oh, that's nice. It's nice to see Black Lives Matter around here. Um, that's very, very nice. Uh, the gay flags are nice. Our American flag is nice. Okay. It's all pretty. So I, got out of the shopping area and I had to go back into my car. When I got to my car, um, I was going back to the, the house that I was staying at. And all of a sudden at this one light, there were, I saw a bunch of white people on either side of the street. Okay. But I'm in my car and I'm driving. So I actually get caught at that red light. When I got caught at the red light, I was able to see what their sign said. There was nothing but white people on either side of me, and all their signs were about Black Lives Matter, okay? I was like, oh, my God, okay? 
Then what ended up happening, I went through, I just put up a peace sign. That's all. <laughs> okay. I was just like, peace, brother and sisters. Okay. And then what ended up happening was I made that left-hand turn and I ended up finding a parking space and I was going to go down and actually join the protesters, which I have not been out here protesting. And the only reason I haven't been protesting is because of coronavirus underlying conditions. Okay. Otherwise I would have at least gone to something, but this one, I was walking across the street. I see this guy, he's walking, getting ready to leave the protesting. And I said to him, I said, I really liked your sign. All right, which I did. I said, would you do me a favor and hold that sign up? And can I take a picture of you? And he said, yes. And he and the sign said, basically, um, change starts in your home. Okay, within your home, which is a beautiful, it's, it's my belief, change starts right there. Okay. Yes. Uh, then I realized we had a conversation and he told me, he said, Petoskey is white. It's like we got a little bubble up here, but we don't have any racism problem, you know, with different colors. He said, but I wasn't sure whether or not um, people would actually come out there every night. All right. At seven o'clock and they, every night they were out there. And he says, I'm so happy because they just and OK. But the interesting thing about it was what I didn't understand was this. When I got out of my car, first of all, when I saw those protesters, I didn't know what they were protesting, okay? But then I saw the signs, and they were Black Lives Matter signs, you know, just loving thoughts, loving and compassionate thoughts. I was like, that's where I want to be. And what I realized was that in that moment, I, for 55 years, have held my breath and exhale. And that was huge because the bottom line is that what didn't do it? Black Lives Matter signs didn't do it for me. OK, yeah. gay pride didn't do it for me. The flag didn't do it. OK, nor uh, did the American flag. But when I saw those people, OK, I finally said, I'm safe. And I realized wow. that I had been holding my breath. For 55 years, that every time I went someplace, I had to think about, I'm a black woman. Is this safe for me? Mm. Okay. And I finally exhaled. So for me, that was a humongous, profound transformation. And this is what this is all about. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's a beautiful story. And, and I'm sure that that's life changing for you to have that experience, to know that that people are coming out and stop being the silent majority and coming out and saying that that this is how yes. this is what we want in our world. Right. Yes. You know, you know, for me, the passing of John Lewis was so instrumental because he, he gave his blood for us. Okay. From people that look like me to vote. Okay. To have civil rights, all of that. All right. And, um, I, I'm grateful. And not only that, my thing is that I need to pass it on. I cannot sit on the sideline and, and do nothing. Okay. And what we can do is that when we see some injustice, whatever it is, okay, it, it could be race, it could be uh, you know, whatever it is, it's, it's just simply an injustice. Okay. We must speak up. It is our duty because we are all one and we are connected. And until we get that, Okay, we we are not inter, independent 
systems, okay? We are interdependent systems. That means the world has to be collaborative, okay? This is a global thing that's waking us up. And I'm so grateful for the being alive at this time in history. Yeah. And that's a a wonderful place to stop, to to end our our chat today. Okay. Is to know that there is things changing in the world and that's what we want to hear. That's what we want to have. Yep, slow incremental, but uh, it's getting there, and that's the most important thing, but it's speeding up too. And we all need to keep keep vigilant about that. That is correct, yes. So I really want to thank you today, Bernadette. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you, and I'm going to eat my chocolate now. <laughs> all right, well, I still got a couple pieces left, and thank you so much. I really enjoyed this, and best wishes. Yes, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Absolutely. Thank you. And I'll be back again with chocolate and coffee breaks with another story to share with you. Okay. And thank you for joining me today on Chocolate and Coffee Breaks to download our resource pack for your own chocolate and coffee break experiences and join our community. Head on over to www chocolateandcoffeebreaks.com Join us again next time as we explore more stories that will touch your heart and reveal that opposites are the same. Meanwhile, share a chocolate, have a cuppa, enjoy a conversation and change the world. Mm -hmm.